We welcome you to the house of the Lord for worship of his hymn this morning, and uh, now's the time for greetings or announcements if you have them. Thank you. Greetings from Mansfield, from Sister Grace, and from Harrow, and from Windsor, where I also was last weekend. Greetings from Sister Agnes. Thank you. Greetings from Sister Christine Hunsinger and from Sister Elizabeth Bayford. She's almost done her six weeks of radiation treatment, three more days. She appreciates all the prayers that have been offered on her behalf. Josiah, thank you. Um, it is a mixed joy and sad occasion as this is your final Sunday uh, here. We uh, wish you the Lord's blessing as you embark on this new uh, chapter together with Sister Laura, and uh, uh, we pray that you come back often and that uh, we're close as a church family. On that note, we do have a hot lunch planned, uh, a farewell lunch uh, for Brother Josiah. Uh, this uh, today. So we urge everyone, please stay for lunch. Any other greetings or announcements? That's right. Uh, a number of us, a few of us were in Avon Road last night for a somewhat impromptu um, sing-along Messiah. It was very nice, and they, the brethren there sent their greetings. Greetings from Sister Nancy. Thank you, Brother Greg. Thank you. Greetings from Brother Craig and Sister Savannah. Oh, thank you. Greetings from Sister Hannah. So here are the announcements I have for this morning. As I'm sure most or all of you know, next uh, Sunday is Easter Sunday. And um, before that, on Friday, we'll have Good Friday services in the morning, 10.30 a.m., on, on Sunday morning, we'll have the Sunday School Choir after the, um, the, uh, the sermon, and we'll have a short adult choir program, too, in the afternoon, Lord willing. The area sing this coming Sunday is in Richmond Hill, as I understand, and they have a baptism coming up May 22nd, 27th, May 27th is a baptism in Richmond Hill. 
Uh, the focus of this month uh, for our collections is Ghana, the various missions and, and um, uh, activities that they have there, the church there in Ghana. This uh, Wednesday is singing for CFG. Coming up in two weekends is the elder meeting in Syracuse, New York. We'd ask you to keep that in prayer. There's a prayer vigil, a sign-up sh sheet or online. Um, you can access the link by the church announcements. And uh, Lord willing, we have selected, we've, uh, Brother Doug has looked at the calendar and it seems to be the only open date for our upcoming baptism for our friend Sid Poon on June 25th. June 25th as a baptism uh, weekend. So put that in your calendars, please. Did I forget anything else? Sorry? That's right. Thank you. Today's the last day to sign up for RSVPing for the church reception. Uh, for Brother Josiah and Sister Laura on April 23rd. Okay. Area Sing, I think that the typical start time is 7 p.m. That's a safe assumption. I think there's a, a chart downstairs we can check. It's in Richmond Hill. In Richmond Hill. If there's nothing else, let's turn to the Word of God and, and ask His blessing as we open it. Dear Father in heaven, as we look forward to this time together and already are so thankful to see each other and to, to share so many good things, dear Father, we know the most precious thing we have is the Word. The Word of God as delivered in the pages of this book and the Word of God as known and seen and experienced in the person of Jesus Christ, the Word revealed. Dear Father, we're so thankful for Jesus Christ and we wish to hold him up this morning hour to experience him in a, in a deeper way through the power of the Holy Spirit. Dear Father, we are amazed that an, an unknowable, unfathomable God who cannot be seen with mortal eyes has made this plan of salvation that a man like us, Jesus Christ, is the Son of God, and we can know him and believe in him and put all our trust in him. Dear Father, we're so thankful that we know this. We ask that those that don't know this, dear Father, within their hearts, don't know this in their lives, would experience, would, would feel a prompting, a, a tugging of thy Holy Spirit this morning to respond to that simple gospel message. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'd like to turn with the Lord's help to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew's Gospel, starting in chapter 19, uh, verse 23, and then continuing on into chapter 20. Matthew 19, verse 23. And we are picking up after the encounter with the rich young ruler that, uh, that went away sorrowful. Then Jesus said, then said Jesus unto his disciples, verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. 
And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto him, unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. Again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and said unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So, when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers, and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were, and when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is, and go thy way. I will give unto these last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil, because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last, for many be called, but few chosen. And Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart in the way, and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him, and the third day he shall rise again. I read up to verse 19 in chapter 20. May God bless the reading of his word. is worthy we bow down and worship him
Truly, thou art worthy of all that we are and have, and all of that comes short. Lord, we could not, by our own effort, get out of our own miry pit. Our struggles only made us dirtier. It's by your grace alone. It is impossible with us to go through the eye of the needle. But Lord, by your grace, we are able to be picked up and set on a solid rock. Father, we pray that we could not look with the eyes of men, not compare, but realize that by grace we can rejoice with others who have also received that grace. Father, and that we can be willing to leave all and follow you, that we would not try to achieve climb a ladder on this world that will soon perish. But Lord, rather than being first here, we'd be willing to be last, that we can rather receive your well done in your everlasting kingdom. Father, we thank you that we have this moment to come apart from a chaotic, confusing and corrupting world and then we can hear your word that we can have our minds washed and we pray that we would indeed open our minds and our hearts and allow you to transform them father we need not only to hear we need to be changed we need to leave here changed father we pray for grace to indeed take in your word and allow it to bring forth new life that we would be willing to to become last to give up whether it's house and lands and relationships or whatever it takes that we can be willing to give up these things that we cannot keep to gain those things we cannot lose lord our heart aches for those who have not yet started on this journey, who are still hanging on to things that do not satisfy. Lord, our heart aches for them. We pray that they would relinquish, that they would go through that needle that leaves all behind but what we can keep for eternity. We pray that they would do it while there is time. You know the many needs, and we think of those who are dealing with pain and illness and much that is beyond our control, from those of all ages down to even the four-year-old little boy, Jacob. We pray that you would indeed um, glorify yourself by your healing power in his life. Lord, down through each one, you know, those who have been struggling for many years and need your grace. Lord, pray for each one. Father, we also pray that you would send laborers into the harvest. We think of the fields that are white, not only here in Toronto, but we think of the London area of Regina, Lord, where 
there are needs for laborers, and we just pray that you would raise up laborers for your kingdom, and that each one of us in the corner where we are would know how we could reflect you, the light to a hungry, lost, and hurting world, that they may come to see you in us and be drawn as you are lifted up. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> it's a fairly lengthy passage we've read this morning, but it seems to me there is a common thread theme running through this. As I mentioned before the, the reading began, this, we're picking this up after that encounter that Jesus had with the rich young ruler. You remember what happened? He wanted, this rich young ruler came to Jesus and asked, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus goes through the law with him, parts of the law. And then the takeaway was, you're lacking one thing. Sell everything that you have, give to the poor, and come follow me. And the rich young ruler's response, remember that too, it was to, to go away very sorrowful, exceeding sorrowful because he had many riches. And then Jesus comments on that. What I'd like to, to start with, with the Lord's help, is Peter's response here. And how Jesus then takes Peter and the disciples further into this teaching of the first shall be last and the last shall be first. What that really means. And with the Lord's help, my prayers this morning, we would understand that too for our own lives. What does this mean, that the first shall be last and the last shall be first? How am I living my life in the light of this truth that the first shall be last and the last shall be first? That God's kingdom is a back-to-front kingdom. It works differently than you or I expect. Peter says, and I think it's, he's commenting basically, he said, well, this rich young ruler couldn't leave all that he had to follow you. And Peter said, well, we have. What are we going to receive? Is it, is it going to be worth it for us to follow you, to leave all the, as we have, and we have forsaken all and followed you? What shall we have there for? And Jesus answers his question straight up. He tells him, basically, you're going to receive all the things that the, the, the rich young ruler wanted and to hold on to but couldn't hold on to because he couldn't let go you're going to receive rule you're going to sit in the throne when the son of man sits in the throne of his glory ye also shall sit upon 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of israel they're going to rule and you're going to have riches you'll receive a hundredfold he says the next verse and you shall inherit everlasting life the very thing that that rich young ruler was desiring and wanting he says yes you will receive all these things he says, in the regeneration, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory. And I think this word must have caused their ears to perk up. I think the disciples were sensed that something was climaxing, was culminating in Jesus' ministry, that Things were coming to a head in a way I think they could all sense that 
as the three years of ministry were coming, they didn't know, obviously. He told them, as, as we can finish this passage, he told them what was going to happen, but other scripture says they didn't understand that. They could sense things were coming to an head. As he headed towards Jerusalem, as he made his way through Jericho, going up to Jerusalem for the Passover, for that confrontation which he had been careful to avoid during those previous years of his ministry. There was a number of incidents, and, and you can sense it wasn't his time. And he, would, he said right out, it's not my time. But now he was heading towards there to that final confrontation with the religious authorities and with the political authorities, ultimately. And the disciples, I'm sure they must have thought, this is it. This is going to be the establishment of the kingdom. The, the, what we've read about in the Old Testament, all the prophecies, this, this kingdom of peace, the lion shall lay down with the lamb. There will be triumph. David's throne will be established forever. This is it. The time of the regeneration, the new world order with our Messiah. We know this man. He's the Messiah established as the king. This is going to be it. But here we are 2,000 years later, and we understand a little bit more about this kingdom. We understand a little bit more about this Messiah, what he really came to do, what the disciples did not understand at the time. You see, what Jesus was going to show them, that climax of his ministry, was the ultimate lesson in the last shall be first. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Jesus was going to take that ultimate last place, the lowest, the least. He was going to be mocked and scourged, condemned to death, betrayed by his own friends. And then he ends the passage, and the third day he shall rise again. And be through that, he's going to be wherefore God has highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every other name, the firstborn from the dead, the first one who will never die again. That was the ultimate lesson. But in between, in between this exchange where Jesus answers Peter's question, he says, what shall we receive? And Jesus says, yes, you will receive. I promise you will receive. All of you that follow me, you will be richly rewarded. And that telling them what was going to happen as he headed to Jerusalem, he tells them a parable, a fascinating, challenging parable, and I'd like to focus on that a little bit with the Lord's help. He tells, uh, like most of his parables, he begins, the kingdom of heaven is like. And if you're like me, read to the end first. And then you can see, he's very clear. He doesn't often leave you wondering with these parables what the intent and the purpose of the parable. He says it right at the end. He says, he repeats that theme. He says here, verse 16, after telling this story, so the last shall be first and the first last, for many be called, but few chosen. So the point of the parable is this, an expounding, an explanation of the first being last and the last being first. But what a parable it is. You know, on a first read-through, you and I, I'm sure, we kind of side with those early morning laborers. This is not fair. They worked 12 hours from 6 a.m. till 6 p.m. They bore the heat of the day. And these Johnny-come-latelys, these 11th hour, these people that came at 5 p.m. and worked one hour 
They're getting paid the same? That's not fair. But if we view this story through those eyes, through the eyes of a, a trade unionist or a, or a worker's rights, that's not what the story is about at all. God is fair. He's abundantly fair. He's more fair than you or I could ever be. So let's not kid ourselves here that, 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 that this story is about God justifying his unfairness. No, no, no. This is a story about God's grace and his order being different than we would expect. His order of reward, the order in his kingdom, it's different. It's not like what you see around you in the world. And that's the temptation, isn't it? For us to see, to look around and say, who's getting ahead? Who's being first? Who's got it all together? And desire that. Want it. Be jealous for it. When Christ says, in my kingdom, it's totally different than you expect. That's what the Beatitudes is all about. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who look like their last in the world's eyes. His kingdom is completely different. The order of his kingdom, the values of his kingdom are different. You know, the reality was, if not for that Lord of the vineyard, those early morning laborers, they would have stood there all the day idle, the same as the other, as the ones at the end. He was fair. He agreed with them for a certain amount at the beginning of the day. That was a fair, a day's weight penny here. We read it, oh, that's very small. It was the, the Greek word is denarius, which was a day's wage, the, the common value of a day's wage. It was a fair agreement. There was nothing, he wasn't cheating them in any way, those early morning laborers. The point of this story was his goodness, his grace to those who came at the end. And the real point that you and I need to take away from this is that we ought to feel, we ought to recognize that we are the 11th hour laborers. We've just come lately. We've been standing all the day idle with no man to hire us and then the Lord has come graciously along and the reward he gives is so much beyond our labors. That's the attitude I need to have. That's how I enter his kingdom. It's not looking at the other one and complaining, Lord, you weren't fair with me. You didn't now, I did all this, and, and, and this is what I'm getting. You know, a key point in this story is the order of pay here at the end. Verse 8, so when even was come, the end of the day, the Lord of the vineyard said to his steward, the one who handles his money, probably sitting there at a table there with all the, good, the accounts and the money beside him, he's going to now parcel out the pay to the workers, he said, call the, and he gives specific instructions. He says, call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. You know, if he'd started with the first, they would have taken their penny and gone their way, and there would have been no conflict, no complaining, no grumbling. That they wouldn't have. But he said, start with the ones who are last. The, the ones that I said, I'll give you what's right. You just trust me. I'll reward you fairly. Pay them first. And that was when the wheels of the, 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 the mind of the, of the early laborers started going. It's like, they got a penny? We, 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 we're going to get more. We, we did more. We worked harder. 
those wheels started turning. The, that order, that first, the last being first there was a key point in this story. And I often think, you know, things work out the way they do sometimes in our life to test us, to test whether we really value the, the order in God's kingdom, what he delights in and what he values the most. Someone else seems to be getting ahead. Why is that? Why is God allowing that? They didn't do as much as I did. They haven't labored for the Lord all the time that I have. And the Lord has to say quietly to us in our hearts, how much do you trust me to reward? How much do you trust my valuation, what I'm giving, and how I determine to give it? Is thine eye evil because mine is good, because I am good? How much do I trust God's goodness? Or how much do I trust my evaluation? I see that really as the main point of application of this, this story about the first being last and the last being first. Am I comparing myself to others and getting into a state of... of, of lack of grace, of, of, of lack of, of thankfulness for God's goodness and what he's done for me and what he's doing every day when I look at others? And am I allowing the world's valuation? I think that first, that, that latter point, that was kind of clear to the disciples. You know, the first time Jesus mentioned this principle at the end of chapter 19, but many that are first shall be last and last shall be first. I think that was clear at that point to them, they're saying, well, the rich young, compared to the rich young ruler, you who've left all to follow me, there's going to be a change in order. The, you who feel like you're the last, who've left everything, you will be exalted. But Jesus had to expound more. He had to tell them another challenging story to, to push that principle a little bit further, closer to home. So we may be at a point where we say, yeah, I don't really value what the world values. I don't really want to chase after riches. But that's not enough. That's not close enough to the heart of God. I have to trust him daily for what he values, what, how is he is rewarding me. I think the beautiful thing, you know, each one of these stories, these parables that, that Jesus tells, they're, they're to, to instruct in a certain point, to keep a certain thing. And we've often been warned, you know, you can't extrapolate from a parable and take too much and add too much to it and, and kind of run with it and, and twist it out of shape. It's just a simple story. It's a simple story to stick in your mind. But so much richer... Um, so much more complete, I should say, is the life and the example of Jesus himself. This was just a story. It was just a, a, a little example. But the, the thing itself, himself, the one who did these things, who went through this, he is the one that everything, you can, you can go deep and deep and deep as you want and you will, you will continually draw more out of. As you look at Jesus' example of humbling of himself, of, of lowering of himself, of being, of taking the last place. That example, you can follow and get closer and closer and closer to. There's no, um, 
there's no danger there in, in, in twisting that out of shape or extrapolating beyond. And this is the principle that he showed them as it, it, through his death. And it's something that they had to come back to again and again. Remember, if the, the rest of the chapter 20 we didn't read, but it was a, a, a discussion of who's going to be greatest in the kingdom. There was a debate among the disciples. You know, they're, the, I'm sure the well-meaning mother of James and John came up to Jesus and asked for a special favor. Can, can, can my son sit on your right hand and your left hand? And, and Again, it was this pre, you know, it's, it's in the, just as I said, in the life of Jesus, there is so much in the actions of the things he did. Think about it, that Palm Sunday before the passion, the crucifixion, the next, the resurrection. That, that superficial understanding of, oh, this is Jesus, this is what we understand him to be, and Hosanna, he's coming to save us, and not understanding at all anything, really, what he was going to do. That the crowd's just cheering and celebrating, hooray, this is it, this is going to be the thing. To the point of rejection, he suffers without the gate, complete ostracism. And it's, it's mirrored in the life of the disciples, and I dare say it is, sadly, it's mirrored in the world around us today, those even that, that nominally claim Christ, but don't have any understanding of really who he is and who he wants them to be. There is a real danger, I think, for each one of us to just mouth these truths, to say, Hosanna to the Son of David. Yes, I understand you're going to reward faith. You're going to... Uh, and not really follow, not really live our lives in the sense of this order of the first being last and the last being first. To live in the Palm Sunday, the Palm Freunds waving and, and, and celebratory and, and great, I, uh, this is so exciting, but not really to, to go through with Christ his death and resurrection. I don't say this as a point of judgment, as a point of condemnation to look around and say, well, those other Christians are not as good as I am. <laughs> that is as far as could be from the truth because I see in myself the tendency and the temptation to mouth these things, just to say them and not ask and plead for the Lord to lead me closer to the crucifixion not to leave me in Palm Sunday and, 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 and empty celebration, really, without the, the depth, the real understanding of Jesus, who, who Jesus is and what he came to do and what he came to do in my life. This is what Jesus calls us to. He does call us to forsake for his namesake. You know, it seems very drastic. You read... And everyone, verse 29 in, in chapter 19, everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sister, he like goes through, he lames each fam, familiar relation, the things, the people that are the most precious to you, father, mother, wife, children. He, he, Jesus doesn't waste words. He says each one of these things specifically, but the critical, the critical words here, the most important words are for my name's sake. And this is, the, this is how I understand this call. If it comes to it, for this, the, the, the sake of Jesus Christ, 
am I willing? Who has the first priority? Who is first in my life? What's my first? Is it Jesus? Then all of these relationships will assume their right, right order, their right priority. I will not idolize. I will not lift above. They will not take my heart from. It's if these relationships are done in Jesus' name. If these lands even, houses, whatever I have, if they're held truly in Jesus' name, not mouthed, not waving the palm frond of Palm Sunday, but in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if, they, if those things, these earthly possessions that I have, they're held in that spirit with that intention, then all is well. Then those that are last shall be first. But if any of these things, the, the nearest and dearest, the best, the most worthy things that even the world says, yes, that's important, family's important, etc., etc., then their lives don't reflect it. Those things can come between me and Christ. He's just letting me know that in advance. Beware. Be careful. They can become between you and Christ if, if you are not doing these things in his name for his sake, for his purpose. My prayer this morning is that we would understand God's valuation how he values things. And that we would trust it, maybe not even understand it. I think sometimes we can't see how things are working out. I, I, I did intend this for, for your kingdom for good, Lord, but it doesn't seem to be being blessed. And this other person who is, I, I, motives I don't truly know or understand, they seem to be getting ahead. Why is that? Why are they being rewarded, getting their penny in, and I just have my little penny? I need to trust his valuation. <clears throat> there is a sense in this parable, too, that God will deal evenly and equally with everyone, regardless of how hard they thought they worked. And that's another beautiful aspect of this story, is that eternal life is given to all those that believe on the name of Jesus that call upon him. Whether you bore the heat of the day, whether you had a long life of service for the Lord, or whether at close to the end, you finally let go of your stubbornness and your pride and accepted the Lord as your Savior. Eternal life is promised to those that believe, and that's a beautiful aspect of this parable. There is an equalness and there is a sameness that, and our hearts should delight in that because we, we really ought to, as I said before, we really ought to see ourselves as that 11th hour laborer, the one who just, I didn't do nearly as much as all the other people that I see beside me. And yet the Lord has blessed me abundantly, much more than I, received, than I ought to have received. Because the one who did bear, the one who did labor, the one who bore the heat, not only the heat of the day, but the fires of hell, the eternal separation, the, the icy coldness of being completely alone and separated from God is Jesus Christ. He is the one that really bore it all, really labored, the one that earned our salvation when no one else could, never could have. And that, that's the basis of his evaluation, of his first being last and his last being first.
May the Lord bless his word. Brother, please find him. Him number one hundred
a part of your kingdom, Lord, but it's when we jo we join your kingdom and that uh, we pray for those that who haven't yet uh, joined your kingdom that they would still take this opportunity while it's still available. Uh, we pray for those that weren't able to be with us, whether it's sickness or not just uh, other ailments, Lord, that we, we would uh, um, be with them, um, such as Sister Elizabeth, that you would comfort them and strengthen them as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Two hundred fifty-two, all four verses. Sunday. It's time to reflect, as our Lord did, on his coming sacrifice, his willingness to, to give all, to suffer. Not because he had to, but because he loved you. 
And uh, we've been challenged this morning. Are we like the crowd that just waved the pawns, whose who, palms that said the words, that said praises, but were likely in the same crowd saying crucify him a week later? Or are we of the few? Many are called, but few are chosen. We heard stories. Jesus liked to tell stories. And, and I'm a person who, who stories stick with. And I really appreciated, I never considered, you know, how the many, the, the last, first shall be last and the last shall be first were bracketing, even though they're in these two chapters, and bringing together the story of the rich young ruler who, who, who had it all in this world, but was unwilling to give it up and went away sorrowful. He was a good guy. Kept all the commandments, even honored his father and mother. He had it all, but, but he didn't. And then Jesus, who had it all, on a whole new level. And as he's telling his disciples, you know, have you left father and mother and wife and children and lands and, 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 and thinking about what he left, you know, so much more. And he's not telling us words he's not willing to live. I just heard this weak story we often perhaps bemoan, even from this pulpit, you know, the decline of Christianity and this culture, but yet God is moving on this planet. And I was reading about many courageous women in the Muslim world, and, and I'm thinking of one in particular. Uh, she was a Qureshi. She was not related to Nabil. Um, she was living in Mecca, um, of a, a, a respected family and you know how as is typical you know God appeared to her in a dream and how the contrast of Jesus who actually answered a prayer she says oh you know I will her friend said I'll pray for you that Jesus actually manifests himself to her and says oh God you know God doesn't answer no you know the Allah doesn't answer prayer but he did show himself and then how they they had to you know it is under such threat you know they they went to an apartment building is a different one every night and they have to pretend they're watching a, a soccer game and that's the password you know of you know the match and you know until it's safe you know then they whisper to each other words with the TV on loud and and you know but yet through that mechanism she can hear the gospel and is willing to surrender and as she really wants to share with her family you know the hope the transformation of God who hears because because that's what Jesus said to her it was was that um, you know the Muslims they 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 are from Ishmael and so Hagar is never mentioned in the Quran even though that is their matriarch if you will but He's mentioned, she's mentioned in the Bible, and, and it was that 
Laroi, that, 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 that Hagar was able to name Jesus, you know, the one who, who hears her and, and how she can be heard by God. Which, and, and that's, you know, what happened, you know, to be meditated on and that she knew that God's being earth, that she is seen, she is heard by God. And she wanted to challenge her family, you know, has, and she said at one meal, you know, has, has, you know, Muhammad ever heard our prayers, you know, and they saw the implication and got angry. Her brothers, you know, started plotting for her honor killing, you know, they, they followed her into one of these soccer mat, you know, uh, things, but, you know, they just played it that they're just going to watch soccer that day. But she knew her days were numbered and, you know, she ended up narrowly escaping, you know, um, the clutches to, to, to be a, a, a missionary in another place. But what does it mean? People today are giving up family and wife and children and lands and, 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 and fleeing for their lives because they're choosing Christ. That's actually happening around the planet. So what about me? Am I really willing to give up these things? Am I, am I identifying with the rich young ruler who's, who's doing pretty well in this world? and doesn't want to really give up too much of that. I mean, I can wave the palm fronds and say the words, or am I identifying with Christ who really was willing to give it all? His disciples who, who left the ship and the father and the nets and chose to be fishers of men. I know I'm challenged by the message, and I hope you are too, that you can take to heart Jesus' example, and we can choose. Are we going to be first here and last there? Or are we willing to be last here so we can be first there? I pray you would choose the latter. With that, we conclude this morning's service.